we'll miss you. Now I'm going to cry. Okay, I'll pray before that happens. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for a night that we can celebrate this year, that we can celebrate um, these seniors, that we can celebrate another chapter. And for all of us, we're just moving one, one step forward in this thing called life. And I pray that it would be a step forward. And that this summer, that you would teach us things, that we would lean into you and your voice, and you would reveal more and more to yourself, of yourself to us. And I pray that you would do that even in this moment, even tonight, as we go through that, the end of Jonah. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we got to see the entire nation of Nineveh repent, right? And God, who had previously told him that he would, that previously told them he was going to destroy them through Jonah, right? Jonah told them that God was going to destroy them. And which, by the way, we've seen God destroy before. This wasn't like one of those like empty threats that, that he was throwing out there. Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham even pleaded with God, if I can find even 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you save the city? And he's like, yeah, if you can find 10. Couldn't find even 10, so God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You've heard the story of Noah and the ark, right? The flood, the great flood. God had previously destroyed the entire earth because of the sin and evil that was upon it. So this wasn't an empty threat. We know that God has destroyed before because of sin, and we know how he feels about it. But the repentance of the people in Nineveh turned his anger away, and he decided not to destroy them. Yay, right? There should be a party, like right? And Jonah, most of all, should be so excited because he got to be a part of that. Like, he got to be part of delivering the message of this transformation of these people, or at least of the repentance of it. I don't know, I would be pretty jazzed, I feel like, if I got to be a part of that. When we get to be a part of the work of God, they repented. Yay, Jonah should be having a party. But what happens in verse 1, for those of you who have read ahead? Verse 1 of chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. What? Seriously? He's angry? He's angry that all these people repented? What the heck, Jonah? How can you be angry? That, when I first read that, like the very first time I read that verse, I was like, wait, excuse me? What? What's going on? Like, this doesn't seem to add up. Verse 2, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Seriously? Some things start to fall into place, right? He didn't leave Nineveh or flee Nineveh to Tarshish, to the ship, with the whole, remember the fish thing? Remember that? Okay. That all didn't happen because he was scared of what he would say or he was scared of how he would be received. Those are the fears that naturally come to my mind of why you would disobey, right? Well, I'm, I don't know what to say or how, what are they going to think of me or why would I want to do that? That wasn't his fear. He fled because he, would af he was afraid that God would actually forgive them. And he believed they didn't deserve that. 
He was afraid that they would indeed repent and that God would follow through and be the merciful and loving and forgiving God that he is. What? Woe is me, you actually forgave them. I don't want to live in a world where the bad guys don't get what's coming to them. I don't want to live in a world like that. The bad guys should get punished for what they've done. I want to live in a world that's fair. He even says it would be better for me to die. And he's at the beginning of this like very big pity party slash. Have you ever seen like a two-year-old or a three-year-old be super dramatic? And just like go into these long, like two-hour long, like never. I actually thought of your kids multiple times when I was reading this passage. And God, so God responds to him. God responds to him, and he says in verse 4, And the Lord said, he asks a question, which we find very common, that God, that's God's response, and that was Jesus' response. Do you do well to be angry? One of those, like, how's this working out for you? Jonah, um, how's this working out for you? Is your anger helping you feel better? Is this helping you work through this? And what right do you have to be angry? Verse 5, Jonah went out, to, out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he, sh- till he should see what would become of the city. He almost creates like his own little like peanut gallery to sit and watch. And a booth is simply a word for like a, he would have put together some branches and kind of made a little structure to offer some shade for him. That's what it was. It wasn't like a booth like that you sit at and you're like, you know, that kind of booth, okay? So this would protect him somewhat from the sun because it was hot. Like everything I read, it was like a very hot place. And he sat there just watching, just watching to see what was going to happen, waiting for God to say, ha, just kidding, send the fire, send the brimstone. And Jonah's like, this is going to be quite the show. I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to watch and see what happens. And during this time, God decides, as he's watching Jonah watch Nineveh, God decides he's going to give kind of an object lesson to Jonah, so to speak. Not a trick, but an object lesson to help Jonah understand and see how he is responding, to be able to see himself. There's this thing about being called self-aware. Okay, you start to become self-aware as you get a little bit older, and it is a very great skill to have. Jonah in this moment is not, as I can imagine, very self-aware. So God's like, I'm going to give you a little object lesson, and so you can see outside of yourself the reality of the situation. Now the Lord, in verse 6, appointed a plant, and he made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So apparently the booth didn't provide adequate amount of shade, and so this plant that God then appointed to grow provided that proof to do the trick. That was like gold. You know when you're trying to get, it's really hot and you're trying to cool off all day and finally figure out the one thing that's going to cool you off? Like that was, this was it. And let me point out to you, this is the first time in the entire book that we see Jonah is glad, and it's because of a plant. And it says he was exceedingly glad. Now, there might have been a part of him that felt like this was God, like, smiling upon him, that he was justified in his feelings, like, I must be feeling the right way because God's provided this plant to protect me. 
just as a side note, you guys, we as humans, we're, si- we're silly people. Okay, we are inconsistent. The littlest things can make the worst day. The littlest things can make the best day. We're like, whoa, whoa is me, whoa is life. And the next second you're like, yeah, everything's great. Like the littlest thing, okay? We're silly, we're ridiculous. Okay, back to Jonah. Verse seven, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. Second time. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. There's a part of me that actually totally feels for Jonah in this moment because I hate the heat. Like when it, okay, I like when it's warm. I love the sun. But if it gets to be a certain temperature, like I just start to feel sick. And so like this moment kind of makes me like, kind of want to take off my jacket a little bit. <sighs> Which, just on another side note, complaining helps absolutely nothing. Okay? Complaining helps absolutely nothing. If you want to complain, just zip your mouth because it's going to make it worse for all the people around you because they have to put up with you or they're going to kind of catch on to your complaining and be like, yeah, it is hot in here. Oh, it's so hot in here. And it's not going to get you anything. Sorry, another side note. Back to the heat. Jonah is having this huge pity party. This situation is the worst. I just want to be gone. I would actually lean towards calling this a first world problem. You ever use that phrase? And Jonah is almost like inconsolable at this point about this situation. And it's a first world problem. But Jonah said to God, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Or no, God said to Jonah, wrong voice. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Third time. I can almost see like his lower lip, you know, like, you know, and like curled up and just like, just so angry and just like, I'm so angry. You know, like when little kids get angry, they almost like don't know what to do with themselves because they're angry and they don't know how to get out of their anger or like, how do I get out of this without looking stupid, right? So I'm just going to stay angry. So they just sit there and they pout, and, and Jonah's just like, <sighs> and for the third time, he wishes to die, and this time it's because he's so angry. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. I'm not good at growing things. I tend to kill plants more than anything. I have one plant in my house. And it was for my grandma's funeral, which is why I still have it. It's more like this. But I love it because like, it, can all, it can pretty much die, and I can pour water on it, and it comes back to life. It's the best plant ever. God's like, God's like, you care about this plant, You didn't make it grow. You didn't plant it. You didn't do anything to care for it. You only care about it because of what it can give to you. It was here today and gone tomorrow. You pity this plant, this singular thing that you had nothing to do with. God goes on, and should I I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? When I moved into my first house, which three years ago is when I, when I sold it. Anyway, it came up on my Facebook feed. 
But I did some landscaping around the front, okay? So I like dug a flower bed and went and I bought all these plants and planted all of them and spent, which, you know, the first year they look okay, but then the next year you water them and you weed them and they look, you take the weeds out, and they look, and they look even better. And then the next year you do the same thing and they get bigger and bigger and grow. And I actually did a pretty good job, okay, for the most part. And I took really, like, I took pride in what the front of my house looked like. I had spent this time. They, the plants looked great. Now, the year that I sold my house, I decided that I needed a new roof in order to um, sell the house because it was pretty old and blah, blah, blah. Basically, a new roof means putting new shingles on. Now, in order to put new shingles on, you need to remove the old shingles. So I spent the day with my dad and my brother, and we were taking off shingles on the backside. And then I left, and then a few other guys came to help, all men. That might have something to do with the story, but anyway. So they spent the afternoon clearing off the rest of the the roof. And I actually think it was a Wednesday night, because I remember coming home in the evening and walking up (laughs) to the front and looking at my plants, and I just started crying and bawling because the shingles had fallen all over my plants and just destroyed them. And I think I walked into the house and said a few words, and I hope I wasn't too harsh. But I walked back out of the house and I just bawled and I walked down the street and I tried to compose myself because I'm like, these are just plants. But you've spent so much time and you know, and I'm processing this and I'm so mad at my dad because why didn't he think to cover the plants with like something that would... These plants I had spent years growing and had, you know, spent time caring for, I was devastated. God's like, you didn't care for this plant, or you didn't, like, grow this plant, and you care about it. You're upset it was destroyed. How much more do you think I care about the people of Nineveh who I created? I created these people. I am the creator of all people. They are my creations too, Jonah. It's not just you. You're not the only one. How much more do you think I care about them not being destroyed? Yes, I was going to destroy them. That's how much I hate the sin that rampaged through the city. Like when you get mold on your plants, okay? There's mold, it happens. Mold on the plants. There's nothing you can do about it. You have to get rid of them. You have to uproot them. But... That, and that's what sin does to people. <laughs> it takes over. But they repented. The mold was gone. So why would I destroy them? Why would I destroy them when the mold is gone? They're my creation. You guys, God wants all people to be saved. He wants it. It's not going to happen, but he wants it. And Jonah, Jonah was so concerned with his theology, with his agenda, with his self-centeredness, that he couldn't see outside of his own self. He stopped caring about people. He cared more about his agenda than he did about people. He's like an older sibling who says, that's not fair, I never got that when I was their age. That's not fair, you should really punish them for this. Older siblings, you never said that, right? Younger siblings, you've never heard that. Jonah believed he was entitled. Jonah believed that he knew better than God, 
as to how things should be. Jonah believed that the people of Nineveh should get what they deserve. They are bad people. They should get it. When he never stopped to think that it was he, what he himself deserved. And what he himself had already received from God. (laughs) The fish. God has already saved Jonah multiple times in this story. Jonah had been given second chances. Jonah had been shown mercy, and yet he still believed that the mercy he was shown was something he deserved, and the mercy they were shown was not okay. Because they weren't Israelites, because they'd been living worse lives, they didn't deserve God's grace. When we talk about this story of Jonah, sometimes it's so extreme, and he's being so, like, pouty, that sometimes we think, well, I, could, I would never feel that way. I care for all people. We could never be sad that someone wasn't destroyed, but are there times where you are happy to see someone get what they deserve? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and are there people in our lives who we believe shouldn't get the forgiveness of God? Or maybe... Maybe you don't, haven't thought that specific thing, like they shouldn't get God's forgiveness, but maybe you've, ne- you've just believed they never will. Maybe you've just writ them off, written them off because you've seen the way they live, you've seen their lives, and you said, well, that'll never happen. It's the same thing. Do we really believe that God wants to, everyone to be saved and that in reality, none of us deserve his mercy and grace. None of us. None of us. None of the people in your school, none of the people in your homes, none of the people in this room deserve it. We don't get to pick and choose who it is. Jonah kind of wanted to. But we do have a responsibility. If God asks us to go, we don't get to say, I don't think those people deserve it. Not going there. God's like, no, you're going. We have a responsibility and to, to seek and to align our hearts with God and to obey when he calls. My prayer for you guys and for myself is that our hearts will look closer and closer to God's as we look at the people around us, as we see the people that we walk down the school, that we would see them through God's eyes. And to not get so caught up in these little things of life and our own agenda that when it doesn't happen the way that we want it to, we get angry. Exactly. We get worked up. Even the littlest of things. Wi-Fi stopped work, stops working. It's the littlest things that get to us. And it's a sad, sad world we live in. We've lost sight of God's heart, God's desire, and God's word when, when the smallest of circumstances can throw us into a tizzy. The book of Jonah has a very abrupt ending. It even ends with a question mark. No bow is tied, no resolution. And the goal of the author is then for us as the readers to think about it then. To think about it. Examining our hearts. Where are our hearts when it comes to the love of God and other people? Where are our hearts when it comes to our situations and our circumstances? My prayer is that we can learn from the story of Jonah and that even though parts of it seem to be an extreme, that we can be challenged for our hearts to change to be more like the heart of God. 
that his love is overwhelming and unfailing, that his mercy is, and his love are reckless and can and will change our lives and those around us if we let it. In the words of Kevin Dean, the, worst, the only worse thing than being like Jonah is staying like Jonah. The only worse thing than being like Jonah and having a heart like Jonah's is staying there. That we would continue to be transformed. And my challenge for all of us this summer is the worst thing that we can do this, this in the next three months of our life is to stay the same people that we are today. Is to not grow further in our love of Christ. Is to not be transformed a little bit more. Because if we stay still, that's the worst that we can do. But to keep growing and to keep pursuing, and you guys are going to talk a little bit about that in, our, in your groups. If you didn't get a chance to do this, if you um, lost it, if you just forgot about it, you didn't get a chance to do it, you can still do it. <laughs> you can still do it. There's a lot of stuff in here that we didn't talk about at all. I left a bunch of them on the back table. You could do it over the summer. Or my encouragement to you and my ask is if you didn't do it or you lost yours, I want you to take one anyway and I want you to put it on your shelf. Because my hope is that in three years you might see it and grab it and say, huh, I never did this. Because maybe then you'll be at a point where you're ready to study further the book of Jonah. But let's not stay still this summer. Let's not stay as Jonah, but to move forward in our faith. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you again for tonight. I thank you for Jonah's life. And even though we can laugh at how pathetic at times his outburst seems to be, I know each of us can think of times in our life when we have just <laughs> felt the same way. Maybe not about the same thing, but that our, the way we thought something should happen, the way that we thought something should go, just consumed us so much that we, didn't, we couldn't see outside ourselves. Lord, I pray that our eyes would start to look more like yours, that as we look at the people around us, that we would see them through your eyes, through your heart, and not ours that are so blinded by the things of this world. Thank you for this year, Lord. I just bless all these students as we go for this summer. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.